Hi, this is Steve with Thresher Media Group. Welcome to When You're Ready to Listen. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the truth about God, things you may not have understood, may not have been taught, or quite frankly, had a very hard time believing. And since our entire relationship with God rests on believing, it is important we learn how to separate the truth from the many lies and fictions that abound within the religion of Christianity. So when you're ready to listen, tune in and discover a pathway to freedom, encouragement, life, and hope. Episode 23, Revelation Introduction, Part 3. In our last podcast, we addressed the fact that the term tribulation is not the same as the term the Great Tribulation. In fact, the entire Codex never mentions a seven-year tribulation period. Rather, Two time periods, each of which comprise three and a half years. Two distinct periods of time. It would be acceptable to label the entire time span generically as the tribulation, but we must be cautious to not create confusion and fiction upon fictions caused by using generic terms. The first period of three and a half years is separate and distinct in purpose and implication than the second time period of three and a half years. For in the second three and a half years, there occurs the famed Great Tribulation, which does not occur until after an event called the Abomination of Desolation, which occurs during the middle, right between the two three and a half year periods of time. From within the midst of terrible persecution of God's people during the bridge period of three and a half months, there will be a sign, the Abomination of Desolation. Then there will come a great tribulation, a time such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. The great tribulation is literally incomparable to anything the world has ever seen or ever will see. It is this definition that makes the time of great tribulation a defined term, since by definition, there can be only one such time. Great tribulation and wrath. Since the term the tribulation, the two three-and-a-half-year periods, does not equal the great tribulation, then to what is the time of wrath referring? This is critical to understand, since we know that the Lord's bondservants are not appointed to wrath, and they are rescued from the wrath to come. Understanding the timing of wrath is tantamount. This one is simple and easy. One simply must look at the Codex, which specifically says that the day of Yahweh, the day of the Lord, the day of Yahweh's sacrifice, the great day of Yahweh, all synonymous with the great tribulation, is the day of the Lord's or Yahweh's wrath. Therefore, the great tribulation is the same thing as the wrath to come. They are synonymous terms. This is in reference to the wrath to which true believers are not appointed and from which they are rescued. The time of wrath is clearly demarcated by angels who literally pour out seven bowls containing plagues and the wrath or anger of God. These bowls of wrath occur after the seven seals are opened, after the seven trumpets are blown, and after the church is removed from this world in an event known as the rapture. Remember, True believers are not appointed to wrath, therefore they are not appointed to the great tribulation. This would place the wrath clearly at some point within the second of the three and a half year 
periods. The Great Tribulation and the Day of the Lord's Wrath are synonymous terms. Timing of the Great Tribulation, the Day of Wrath. To determine with accuracy the timing of this unparalleled event, we must go back to its key marker, the abomination of desolation. According to Jesus, the Great Tribulation cannot occur before the abomination of desolation. It's a subsequent event that follows the abomination of desolation. So what do we know about the abomination of desolation? Some key facts about the beast, that demonic spirit who ultimately will possess the man we call the Antichrist, and Yahweh's two witnesses help us pin the abomination of desolation to a time near the middle between the two three-and-a-half-year periods, give or take some days. There is a simple illustration in the transcript that can be downloaded at threshermediagroup.com. Key facts about the beast and the two witnesses. The beast is given power to act for 42 months, three and a half literal years. The beast is remarkably busy during the second of the two three and a half year periods. He is found gathering the armies of the nations to war against Christ at his return. Thus, we can determine that his rule does not occur during the first three and a half year period. In fact, the beast is not eliminated from the scene until Jesus returns and tosses them into the lake of fire. The beast persecutes and slaughters the two witnesses which Yahweh sends to testify of Christ. So the beast and the two witnesses can only coexist on the earth for a short period of time due to the time in which the witnesses are authorized to act. The two witnesses are given authority to prophesy for 1,260 days, or three and a half years. When they finish their testimony, the beast will make war with them and overcome them and kill them during a period of three and a half months. They will lie dead for three and a half days and then suddenly be raptured and raised from the dead. The beast will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed, the time of great tribulation. The ruler, the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, who ultimately will be possessed by the beast, will make a treaty with the people for a period of seven years. But after half this time, three and a half years, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration, the abomination of desolation. From the time of the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days, which creates an overlap with the two witnesses' authority to testify by approximately 30 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to 1,335 days. Ultimately, this creates a three-and-a-half-month period between the abomination of desolation and the event known as the rapture. During this three-and-a-half months, the witnesses' testimony is completed and they are overcome and killed by the beast. The three-and-a-half months overlap is not spread out equally over the two three-and-a-half-year periods, but it starts in the last 30 days of the first three-and-a-half-year period, and it extends 75 days into the second three-and-a-half-year period for a total of 105 days, or three-and-a-half months, based on a a 360-day-a-year Jewish calendar. The Day of the Lord, synonymous with great tribulation, will not come unless the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God, the ultimate abomination of desolation. Therefore, given these facts, 
and counting backwards 42 months from the return of Christ, the time in which the beast is permitted to act, we must conclude that the abomination of desolation occurs 30 days before the midway mark. This would place the time of wrath after the first 1,335 days. The Lord said, Blessed are those who survive through 1,335 days. Hence, the time of wrath is after both the abomination of desolation and the rapture of the church. Illustration. I've placed another illustration in the transcript, which you can download at threshermediagroup.com. It'll help you visualize this sequence. And yes, we did all that work just to verify the timing of the abomination of desolation so that we can clearly state with confidence that the day of the Lord, the great tribulation, the time of wrath does not occur until sometime in the last three and a half year period after both the abomination of desolation and the rapture, as true believers are not appointed to this unparalleled time of wrath. Why does it matter? The rapture myths. Circling back around to the driver of much of the end times fiction, this issue of the timing of the rapture, we can be 100% confident that the rapture will occur before the great tribulation, before the time of God's wrath. But there is not a single passage in the Codex that says it will occur before the first of the two three-and-a-half-year periods. In fact, the Code will be noticeably clear in narrowing our focus of the timing of the rapture to the blowing of the seventh trumpet, to the time when the two witnesses are slaughtered, to those three and a half months which overlap the two three and a half years. We can declare with 100% confidence that the rapture will occur before the great tribulation, before the time of wrath, but after the revealing of the man of lawlessness at the abomination of desolation. Fiction alert! Fiction alert! The truth about the rapture is crucial since the majority of those in the religion of Christianity, at least Western Christianity, has been promised that they will not go through the tribulation, which is errantly ascribed to the entire end times. This lie is simply a non-biblical fiction promoted by teachers who are driven by instinctual religious wisdom, licentiousness, and sensuality. See our podcast in Jude. Tragically, many will fall away into apostasy when they realize they were lied to and are now not ready to endure, for they no longer have oil in their lamps to keep them lit. Moreover, we must never forget that before this man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, literally the son of the beast, is revealed, there will be a great apostasy, a great falling away, and one cannot fall away unless one first belongs. Overview. Layout. As we discussed, there is kind of a sequential layout to Revelation, with some throwbacks in time here and there. Below highlights each section and provides an overview of what we can expect to learn and discover. Number one, Jesus is unveiled and introduced to John as he prepares John to receive all that he will hear and see. Chapter one. Number two, Jesus dictates letters to seven churches and appraises them and exhorts them to now and continually be believing. Chapters two through three. Number three, John is taken up into the heavenly realms where he sees the throne of God and all the heavenly hosts. Chapter four. Number four, 
John sees a book with seven seals and watches the Lamb of God open the first six seals, which introduces certain spiritual and physical events on the earth and in the heavenlies that are not tied to the tribulation, chapters five through six. John is given a short break where he is shown a spiritual list of the tribes of Israel, and he immediately sees a myriad of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, people who have dug deep in their souls and are even now choosing to come out of the great tribulation. These people are all worshiping Yahweh, chapter 7. Number 6, John sees the breaking of the seventh seal, which leads to a group of seven angels who hold seven trumpets, and the first six angels blow their horns. This unleashes tremendous destruction to the earth, the skies, and to the heavens. An army of demons is released from the abyss, and their leader is the beast, destruction himself, the destroyer. A huge demonic army comes from the east, and plagues kill many people. It's a terrible time for humanity. Chapters 8 through 9. Number 7. John hears a proclamation that he cannot write down or repeat, but he is also told that there will be no more delay. For with the blowing of the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God is finished. Chapter 10. Number 8. We are introduced to the two witnesses who are given authority to prophesy for 1,260 days. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast makes war with them, overcomes them, and kills them. But three and a half days later, they rise to heaven in the sight of all who dwell on the earth. The seventh trumpet is blown, and it is proclaimed that the kingdom of the world now belongs to Christ, and he has begun to reign. His wrath now comes. The resurrected believers go through their heavenly judgment and receive their rewards, and he starts to destroy those who destroy the earth. Chapter 11. Number 9. We get a throwback in time to an image of Israel right before she bursts the Messiah. We are given images of Satan warring against Israel, against the child, and against all true believers. But twice Israel is given safety and shelter, once for 1,260 days and once for time, times, and half a times. We are also told about a war in heaven which the angels win, and Satan and his minions are cast down out of the heavenly realms to the earth, and they are furious. Woe to the earth and the sea, for Satan knows he has only a very short time remaining. Chapter 12. Number 10. We see the emergence of the beast after he was released from the abyss and has gained his worldly power and support. The beast is empowered to make war with the saints against all true believers. We also are introduced to his cohort, the false prophet, that forces those who make their abode in this world to worship the beast or face certain destruction. This prophet sets up a likeness of the beast which comes to life and speaks and causes the world to be amazed. Many people take and have taken upon their being the name of the beast or the number of his name. 666. Chapter 13. Number 11. We are given a vision, not sequential in time, but it's of those who are the called, chosen, and faithful of God. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes, even down the pathway of sacrifice and death. An angel flies through the sky and tells all the inhabitants of the earth to fear Yahweh. Another angel follows and declares that Babylon, which is code for the religious systems of belief, Babylon has fallen. Then doom is pronounced on the worshipers of the beast. And finally, we see one like the Son of Man descend from heaven with a shout of an angel and he harvests all the true believers from the earth, the rapture. And another angel declares that all who remain 
will be harvested and thrown into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Chapter 14. Number 12. The seven angels who have seven plagues are called forward because in them the wrath of God is finished. At the same time in heaven, the true believers walk through their judgment and sing a beautiful song of worship. It's called the Song of Moses. The focus returns then to the seven angels who are given seven bowls filled with the wrath of God to pour out on the earth. Chapter 15. Number 13. The first six bowls of God's wrath are poured out on the earth, and it is ghastly and terrifying. The sixth angel pours his bowl on the great river Euphrates and dries it up, so a way for the kings of the light of the rising sun is prepared. Then comes Armageddon, where the beast, the false prophet, and many demons gather their armies of the world together to wage war for the great day of the Lord Almighty. And then the seventh bowl is poured out, and there is a great earthquake, and 100-pound hailstones pummel the earth. Chapter 16. Babylon, the woman who rides the beast, is revealed in a non-sequential vision. We are given some details about the kingdom of the beast and how its authority operates. Although the beast uses this woman, religion, in his ascent to power, the beast will turn against the woman and destroy her and burn her up with fire. Chapter 17. Number 15, we are given a broad description of the global trade of Babylon, the global trade of religion, and all of those who will be impacted by her destruction. It's a time of great mourning for the religious merchants of the earth. Chapter 18. Number 16. The heavens rejoice at the destruction of Babylon. Then comes the glorious marriage supper of the Lamb. And his bride has made herself ready as she is clothed in the righteous acts of the saints. After the wedding, Jesus returns to the earth. It is his glorious second coming, a honeymoon of sorts with his bride. He conquers all and the beast, the false prophet, and all those who took the mark of the beast are thrown into the lake of fire, while the rest of their demonic hordes are destroyed or punished. Chapter 19. Number 17. Satan is bound and thrown into the abyss for 1,000 years. Those who did not receive the mark of the beast come to life and will reign with Christ for 1,000 years. After that time, Satan is released and he gathers the nations, led by the spiritual host Gog and Magog, together for war. When they come near the people of God, fire comes down from heaven and destroys them all. Satan is thrown in the lake of fire to be tormented day and night forever. Next is the great white throne judgment, where the dead, not including those who belong to the bride of Christ, who were raised, the rest are judged according to their deeds. Death and Hades, and all whose names are not found in the Lamb's book of life, are thrown into the lake of fire. Chapter 20. Number 18. A new heaven and earth are unveiled, as well as the new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ, and the tabernacle of God is with men. He wipes away tears, and there is no more death, sorrow, crying, or pain, for the first things have all passed away. Then we are given a very elaborate description of the bride of Christ, images a city, the new Jerusalem, but there is no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and nothing unclean comes into this temple. Chapter 21. And number 19, we are showed the river of life and a fruit-bearing tree next to the river's banks, the leaves of which are used for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. All the bondservants of God will see his face and have his name written on their foreheads. Jesus then proclaims that he now chooses to now come quickly, and blessed are those who heed the words of the prophecy in this book. John, 
introduces himself, and then we get to the final close where Jesus gives a warning and a promise. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Chapter 22. I find it interesting that this overview broke down into 19 segments because in biblical numerology, it is generally understood that the number 19 is a symbol of God's divine order in judgment. And that is exactly what this book is about. Nine is the number of judgment, and 10 is God's perfect multiplier for testing. In that regard, let us remember the following Jude and Revelation targets those within the visible church with a message which separates those who stand only on the goodness of God from those who are trying very hard to be good for God. For there is a fundamental difference between a person who is living for God and one who is willing to let God live in and through them. This is a difference which plays out in life and death. In those who are now choosing to be coming out of the great tribulation and those who will choose to endure wrath. We will stop here and pick up next week in Revelation chapter 1. To get a free download of the full written transcript with all the scripture references footnoted, please go to threshermediagroup.com. That is T-H-R-E-S-H-E-R mediagroup.com. This is Steve with Thresher Media Group. When you're ready to listen, tune in.